This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And, you know, the thing I love about this show is it uh, it brings out some interesting thoughts. It gives me an opportunity to be curious. So over Christmas, I, I was thinking about Santa Claus. And as he goes around the world, what types of houses does he see? So there, here we are a week later, and we're going to be talking about houses in different parts of the world. So uh, our very first guest is Katya Pushina Scordino. Ah, I like that Scordino part. That was easy to say. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Don. All right. Thank you very much. And you can bring us an interesting perspective because uh, you grew up in Russia. And so what, where are you from in Russia? Keeping in mind that all our listeners don't know all the geography of, of Russia. It's fine. It's fine. So, um, yes, that is true. I um, grew up in Russia and came as an adult to the United States. So, um, and married a Scordino. From, oh, yes, absolutely. That's the best part, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's our 10-year anniversary today. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yes. So um, we're, uh, I'm from uh, Ezevsk city, which is the, um, uh, basically it's part of the uh, central region of Russian country, which is really vast, of course. But if you... Um, uh, know the Moscow location, then um, it will be only about uh, 600 miles to the east from Moscow. Mm-hmm. So, um, what's the weather like? on the like west it? part of uh, of Euros, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, the, what yeah. What is the weather like there? Is it hot, cold? Well, so uh, since we're located very much uh, inland, um, our summers, um, they go in average uh, with the temperature of 70, 80, 70, 80 degrees in Fahrenheit Mm -hmm. uh, with some rain and sometimes winds and could be storms. Uh, windstorms, um, but summers usually start at the end of May and last um, pretty much till the end of August, and um, yeah, very, very calendar kind of a measurement here. And the winters could be cold, um, I would say down to negative 30 in Fahrenheit. In the middle of January, um, which is about to start soon, uh, because um, it, um, yes, again, we're very much located, uh, I mean, Nezhevsk is very much located inland and uh, with very much of snow and cold, and um, it gets pretty cold in January. Yeah, and the reason I asked the question about 
temperature is I would imagine that impacts housing. You know, here in the Central Valley of California, where we don't get into negative temperatures, I mean, actually 33 degrees is very, very cold. Um, okay. We don't have the need for those extreme temperatures. So that leads me to the question of what, what does a typical home look like in that part of Russia? Typical home would be um, pretty much for, um, I would say, the majority of the uh, population is living in a, a tall um, condominium building. And the buildings could be as tall as um, 10 story high or 16 story high uh, with many uh, apartments per floor. Mm -hmm. Could be four, between four and seven. So uh, with that, the... um, Heating system is usually uh, working through the, um, uh, like the uh, wall, uh, wall system. I'm sorry, I'm not sure what exactly it is called, but it's the, um, from the uh, metal kind of pipes that are heating up and they're all located up against the wall. So, and usually, actually, as I remember growing up, um, it would be very warm and um, cozy. Although, um, for instance, when I lived in my parents' apartment, we've always had to patch the um, the gaps. There's the small gaps on the window. To make oh, yeah. sure that the wind doesn't, uh, yeah, wind doesn't uh, jeopardize that. So I see. we would uh, patch those, and it would definitely be a very warm winter inside of the apartment place. So um, are there very many individual homes, or is it mostly condominium style? It's hard for me to tell you right now since I haven't uh, lived there for almost 19 years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, uh, my approximate ratio would be 90% live in the condominiums, and the rest could be spread out in um, uh, single-family houses. Wow. So, and I know you've been to Fresno before, our Central Valley, so it's almost the opposite. Probably 90% are in single-family homes or ranchos, um, you know, out in the suburban area. Um, And a typical condominium here is two stories, not 10 or 11 stories, so a little bit different. Um, Let me move on a little bit here and... How about the ownership? Do people have the ability to actually own their own condominium or their own home, or are they renting? So, um, again, my knowledge may not be absolutely correct 
precisely correct. Uh, just based on my knowledge, I would say uh, the majority is owned. Um, obviously, it's uh, less expensive to own your own place. And um, with uh, the credit system started developing uh, there about 10, 15 years ago, uh, nowadays, people are, you know, they have abilities to take the loan mm-hmm. the bank and buy the condominium for themselves and pay it all off, as opposed to, um, say, 20, 30, 40 years ago, people could not do that. And also the system was very different, and the government owned the majority of the places and land as well. I see. That's very interesting. So it's um, kind of changing to almost like our system where financing is available, and that has increased home ownership because uh, it's hard to come up with 100% down. It's even hard to Absolutely. come up with 20% down. But um, – that's great that that's happening over there. How long do people stay in their homes? Uh, over here in America, it seems like five to ten years, and then people seem to move on. Uh, although I, there's quite a few that live there for 30, 40 years. But what, what's the case there in Russia? When I was growing up, I remember the surroundings, the neighbors, the same as when I moved out. So people barely, barely moved out to anywhere else because it was extremely difficult and inconvenient um, to do so. So um, as the time changed, and I could say... um, you know, I could I could give you information because my brother and my dad still live there, and their families live there. So um, perhaps about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So they s- seem to stay a little longer. Katya, I want to thank you so much for helping out your uncle Don today, and uh, that's wonderful. And I'm going to say their names so that they'll get excited. Oscar Scordino. And Nikita, because uh, now that now they'll listen. <laughs> now that they, they, <laughs> they <they'll>, do, <laughs> yeah. And of course, your husband Steve. So, thank you so much, and uh, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio because we're going to a commercial break. But we're going to go to an entirely different part of the world in Brazil next. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And as I was saying in the previous segment, here we are on January 1st of 2022. And as I was thinking about Santa Claus over the Christmas holidays, I was wondering what kind of homes does he see around the world when he goes around giving all those gifts? So that made me think, because of Welcome Home Radio, we have the opportunity to to find out uh, what 
what's going on in housing around the world. So we just talked with uh, someone from Russia, and now we have someone from the Brazil, the country of Brazil, and that is Nate Soares. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for participating and sharing your knowledge of Brazil with, with us. Oh, thanks for having me over. Yeah. And um, Nate Soares is from Sao Paulo, Brazil, uh, although right now you're living in Orlando, Florida. Interesting. What made yes, you move? Sir. Well, I made a move uh, 20 years ago. I, I actually uh, I lived in, in, in northeast um, of the country here uh, in Connecticut, um, and now I've been in Orlando for just shy of 10 years. Um, just uh, looking for better weather and, and, you know, just a little bit of a change in, 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 in our general, uh, you know, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So interesting, you would say you move um, looking for better weather because in the previous segment, when we were talking with Katya from Russia, she was telling us how the weather there gets below 30, uh, 30 degrees below and um, in the wintertime. So that brought up the question about heating and cooling in the house. But um, if we could start off with... Um, uh, what does a typical home look like in the Brazilian area that, that you're from? Well, you know, it, it, uh, Brazil, Brazil, it's it's obviously a, a pretty massive country, one of the largest uh, countries in 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 the world. So, um, you know, the city I come from, uh, São Paulo, uh, the city itself. Um, it's got over 10 million people, um, so it's a pretty large and su- pretty substantial city. Uh, one, of, you know, the most important uh, financial uh, city in in the country. Um, so what you see in São Paulo, you see a lot of skyscrapers, a lot of buildings, a lot of, you know, urban living. Um, on the outskirts of São Paulo, then you have the suburbs. You know, with, you know, um, larger homes or you know. Uh, gated communities and whatnot. Um, the, the main difference between the U.S. And, and Brazil is that the construction in Brazil is mainly block and mutter, right? Block and mutter. Yeah. So it's the concrete buildings, and, you know, it's pretty um, strong construction, very hard construction, heavy-duty construction, if you will. So when it comes to the wintertime, it's pretty cold. I mean, there's, there's not. It's very rare to find any homes that's got central air systems or central heating systems. In fact, um, there's really no heating systems, um, you know, that are built in, you know, in, in, in the in, in the homes and the properties. Uh, you know, a typical um, something that you can plug in, like a little side heater or you know something like that. And even so, it's not very common. Um, so it really depends which region of the of Brazil you go, you're going to see different uh, type of properties. A lot of the properties also could be, you know, very similar to, you know, townhouses where it's a wall, you're sharing wall with how, although they are considered to be single family homes, um, but they're very much like, you know, the townhouse style of homes where, you know, you're sharing uh, a wall with your next door neighbor. Um, and then of course, you know, um, 
You have, you know, the properties that's got more, you know, that's located in more rural areas that it's got a little more uh, land and, uh, and and so on and so forth. But the construction itself, I mean, we don't – now the, the the newer constructions, they're using some drywall uh, for the interior portion of the construction, but the 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 older constructions and the uh, saddings are all, you know, block and, and cement. Wow. Okay. What um, do people, most people, own their own home or do they rent? How does that work? Well, I think it's it's got to do a little bit with the culture. You know, again, in the U.S., in most, you know, without generalizing, but there's a concept of, you know, once your kid, you know, hit high school, they're out of high school to college, they're on their own or they're needed start finding their independence and they need to, you know, start getting, you know, need to find a job and start, you know, getting, getting their own life going. And in Brazil, it's a little different. Um, the concept of, you know, having to, you know, start your own home at eight, start your own life at 18 is a little different. I mean, typically uh, it takes longer for, you know, um, for, for folks to move out and, start their own lives you know i would say probably after college you know mid-20s is where you know that happens so with with that in mind um the rental market is pretty uh substantial um um, the 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 folks are moving out a little later um but not necessarily saving enough money to put a down payment on a home so they're going to be renting a little longer in life um you know i would say uh, a major difference, not a major difference, but a substantial difference also is that uh, in the U.S., mortgaging a home, it's pretty common. Um, it has been common for as far as I know. In Brazil, mortgaging a home, it's something newer, I would say probably within the last 20 years. Before then, you only buy a home if you have the money to pay cash for. So that also, uh, it's changing with the newer generations with more um, you know, bank uh, bank opportunities or more financing opportunities. So now it's easier to to mortgage at home, but uh, the interest rates are you know substantially different as well. Whereas in the U.S. now you can purchase a uh, home with you know on a threes, maybe below three percent, maybe just over three percent. Where in Brazil, you know, anywhere from you know seven to ten percent is what's going to cost you yearly. Uh, for you know that that's what the interest rate is going to be for you to mortgage a home you know for yeah. and it also the the te- term of the finance is different as well whereas over here is the 30 years pretty standard conventional 30 years right fha or whatever right. but in brazil it's more you know it's more so about 10 10 years i think it's it's what people typically mortgage a property for so there's some differences as you can see yeah, and you know what's interesting, and why I'm glad we're doing this show today. You, when you said financing became more common about 20 years ago, that's the same thing that Katya said in Russia. So, and here we've actually had that since the 1930s here in America, where right. uh, they came out with the FHA 30-year loan. Yeah, uh, so maybe that's why. You know, the Americans are very fortunate to have that. And then absolutely. Yeah. And you're also saying that the interest rates are a lot lower here than than there in Brazil. Yes. 
All right. That's this is interesting. I, I'm glad we're doing this show. It's uh, giving my curiosity a lot of uh, things to think about. So, um, do families stay in their home a long time there in Brazil? You, you know, here in America, as you probably have seen, especially being that you're in Florida now, people tend to move every five to ten years. Um, is that the case in Brazil? Yeah, you have. You're absolutely right. I mean, our market here in in in, uh, um, in in Central Florida, where I'm at, you know, I see a rotate a um, you know repeated customer base, you know, for about five years. I mean, you get a lot of people that you you know you put them on a house today. Five years later, they're going to be you know moving up or downsizing or something. Uh, in Brazil, in Brazil, to my knowledge, what I see is that. They have a tendency to stay in that property for longer. Uh, I would say, you know, and there's a, there's a small analogy that I've that I that I know of. For example, um, they say that in the U.S., a typical car owner will own that car for you know at least five years, where in Europe is ten years, and Brazil it's three years. So three in Brazil, five in the U.S., and ten in Europe. But when you flip flop into real estate, it's a little different. Um, you know, but the the what we see in Brazil is that folks don't have the same mentality of you know selling and buying. They buy and they hold. So if they if they, when they're able to buy the second property, that first property becomes an investment, or vice versa. But I see that there's a higher accumulation. The people who are, who go into real estate, they have a tendency to accumulate and hold the properties and become a portfolio. Whereas um, I see a lot here in the U.S., uh, it's a lot of buy and sell. Someone that's just uh, creating their home and wants something that is bigger and better, more you know, with more bells and whistles and whatnot. Um, and I also obviously you know I see the investors as well that buy you know multiple properties. But for rule of thumb, you know, for the general citizen, um, we see that when they buy something, unless they're growing family or you know, it's got to be a real purpose why they're doing it. Yeah. Now. Another question I have is um, here in America, we talk about the American dream of home ownership. Do do the Brazilians yeah. have that same dream of home ownership? Oh, absolutely. It, it, and we have the same phrase in Portuguese, um, which is, you know, sonho da casa própria, which is, um, you know, the dream of, you know, it's not ownership. Well, yeah, I think you could say, you know, dream of owner is the same exact thing, just the translation. It's a little different, but 100 um, percent, it's what people live for. And uh, that's what they work so hard for it to one day possibly be able to afford to buy their own home. Nate, here's a funny story. You, you gave us that phrase in Portuguese. When I went to Brazil a few years ago, I tried my best to learn Portuguese so that I could communicate with, with everybody there. So I remember going into a grocery store and making an order and I, I said it all out and the lady looked at me and she, she said, Espana. <laughs> I guess I, I, I guess I sounded like I was speaking Spanish more than Portuguese, but, uh, Hey, I tried. Well, that's anyway. good. That, that means you did a good job, you know, because she didn't say Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Or Greece. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're you're an optimist. Thank you, Nate. Um, <laughs> you very well. Now, how? What's the biggest difference between the Florida market and the Brazilian market that you see? 
Well, well, Florida, as you know, right now it's top in the country for, you know, for for, you know, for real estate. And Brazil, it's coming from some depression. Um, the economy is not doing so well, although uh, construction is booming there as well because there's a lot of, you know, uh, there's a lot of foreign money coming pouring into the country. So there's a lot of buildings being built, a lot of constructions being built. But I see that these are international money. The local money, the Brazilian money, um, what I experience is, you know, uh, you know, in a, a niche of uh, customers I have is folks that just want their money out of there and that they want to invest, you know, in real estate here in, uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the, the fundamental difference is, you know, this is a very heated market and uh, there's people coming from all over, you know, the country here to, to Florida, um, California. I've got a few, you know, customers from California. I've got a bunch of, you know, Midwest, uh, you know, Northeast. So people are really coming to Florida because of the tax incentives and pricing in general, you know, housing is still um, affordable compared to the national uh, numbers, you know, especially compared to you know, areas in California, New York, um, whereas Brazil is slowly picking up, um, you know, from, you know, some very deep, uh, you know, real estate recession that's been going on for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some optimist, uh, optimism, you know, with, uh, with, you know, the government, you know, staying the same or changing, you know, some people, you know, have different opinions about it. But uh, but that's it. I mean, it's mainly you, you're talking you know, one of the best real estate markets in the, in America versus, you know, something that is, you know, slowly picking up again. So it's very pretty different. Yeah. Well, Nate Sores, I would like to thank you so much for sharing your expertise with uh, all our listeners today. And uh, I hope you have a great new year. And thank you once again. And we're going to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And what an interesting show today. We're trying to do what Santa Claus did last week, and that is a trip around the world. And let's see what Santa found in different parts. So our first segment, we were in Russia. Next segment, we were in Brazil. Now we're going to a... a, a country in Europe called Bosnia and it's hard to get a hold of a realtor in Bosnia but we're fortunate enough right here in the Central Valley a realtor from Madeira has spent a lot of time in Bosnia and that's Jane Wiebe Uh, good morning Jane and thank you for uh, being part of this show why in the world does a realtor from Madeira California know so much about Bosnia. Well, good morning, Don, and thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I think my main message um, that I would want people to know first is that just ordinary people can do extraordinary things, even if they didn't plan for it. And for me, um, in 1993, I quite by accident met some Bosnian refugees who were coming right out of the genocide. That, genocide that was raging in the former Yugoslavia. 
and um, was just asked simply to take a meal to some wounded men. And I was intrigued and fascinated. I have to admit, I didn't know where Bosnia was at that time. But I was pulled in and my compassion um, in my body came to the surface in a magnitudinal way. Um, I um, could not believe in, in our modern times that once again a genocide could happen, but it was. And so I spent those first three years, 93 or to 97 or so, just helping refugees here. And um, it became kind of a daily thing for me because their needs were so intense. And so I was pulled in and totally immersed in what was going on there, their culture, and what was happening in our modern times. And um, it was through that that I began going in 1997, right after the end of the genocide, into Bosnia. And since then, I've been there 20 times, usually spending a month when I'm there and formed a nonprofit help is on the way so that I could meet uh, tremendous, huge needs in a country that was literally raised to the ground. So that's how my involvement started. I am not Bosnian. Um, I am not Muslim. Um, but the people that I was helping were Bosnian Muslims um, who were left in the country from the genocide. Um, much of the country killed, slaughtered, and much of the country fled. So it was quite um, an eye-opening experience for me the first time I went. And I don't know that you can imagine what an entire country looks when it is every inch of it is rubble. But that's what I saw. And so it's from there that I got involved. Um, that's my beginning of how this happened. And I just want everyone out there to know <clears throat> you can do extraordinary things um, if you simply have compassion. Wow. That, it, now, I have a personal interest in this. I was in communist Yugoslavia back in the 1970s. I was traveling through there. Um, and at the time, it was one country, but I knew there was a lot of civil unrest and such. Although, as we went through there, it, it did seem a lot like the rest of Europe. Um, you know, people in cars. I, I remember some of the houses there. And, and that's what I'd like to talk to you about today is the typical home over there and, and uh, what it's like. And from what I'm hearing you say, it might be what it was like and what it is today might be two different things. Yes, um, very interesting that you brought that up in that in socialism and under a dictatorship of Tito, he did an incredible job of making that area, the Balkans, very productive, very modern. The people were happy. Yes, it was a dictatorship. Um, they didn't have the kind of freedoms that we enjoy, but it was very well run. So I, not for dictatorships, but as anyone will tell you, Tito was an incredible man in making a very hot region with always there being unrest. Uh, he controlled it well. Um, their housing under Tito was, was kind of brilliant. Here's how he did it. There could be home ownership, mainly in the villages. Um, but in the cities, basically everything is owned by the government back then. And so you worked at whatever job you were assigned to, and I, I mean that clearly, um, you were assigned to what you would be, it wasn't your choice, but then after 30 years 
of being housed in whatever, usually high-rise apartments, um, you were awarded your home. So you would work for 30 years, and then that apartment belonged to you. So you have kind of two two countries in one in that you have the village people that live quite primitive, um, you know, still using a scythe to cut the grass and milking the cow, very much like 100 years ago. And then you had the city um, where there was a lot of industry and business and um, completely modern. So uh, that was something I learned right away. I'm in two countries in one when I visit there. So I, I hope that answers most of the city people in apartments and the village people in, um, you know, just stone-built homes. Okay, so my next question is going to be about home ownership, and, but what I'm starting to hear is that you may have two answers d- depending upon what time frame I'm asking. But w- is there home ownership in Bosnia today um, it, where where the family owns the land, the home, like we have here in the Central Valley, or I should say in America? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. The answer to that is yes. There is a land ownership. And, and their country, going back from 400 years or so, you know, land being passed from generation to generation, definitely has always been home ownership. A little less so in the cities, as I said, but you know, after 30 years, you owned your apartment. So there's always been home ownership. The thing I want to bring up that's kind of interesting is that when the genocide started and and many people fled, they fled the homes that they owned and came to America or Germany or wherever they went. So now there's many vacant homes with the owners no longer residing there. So I'll let you ask the next question about that of what happened (laughs) okay what happened (laughs) okay so at the end of the war in 96 you have lots and lots of empty places apartments and village homes those who had survived a lot of them moved into those homes that they did not own Um, a lot of the serbs who fled the bosnian areas who owned their homes now no longer were there and had no plan to come back. And so many of the locals would move into those homes. After there was peace for a few years, some of those people obviously wanted their property back. And so you had a great, great uh, problem because you had people who now were living in homes they didn't own. And how do you get them out? And they have no way to buy the home from the former owner. So imagine here, if you had half of Fresno and the homes were empty, and people from Los Angeles came in and moved into those homes, how do you get them out? And how do you decipher homes of what anymore? So it's 26 years later. It is still being resolved, but it is getting resolved. And you can now get credit in Bosnia and buy an apartment or buy land. Um, That is possible if you have the money. Well, that's interesting because when we talked uh, with Katya from Russia and Nate from Brazil, um, they talked about how 20 years ago or so uh, financing came around uh, much like it did in America in the 1930s to assist people in home ownership is there a dream here in america we have that dream of home ownership is there 
Does that occur in Bosnia? There's that dream. And um, when I first started going, they'd never heard of credit. Um, that, I would say, in the last 10 to 15 years has come about where banks or foreigners are giving credit. So it is becoming like our system. So now there's a dream of home ownership. The issue is they are very, very much underpaid, if paid at all, for their labor. So how do you buy a home with no money? And that's where um, much of people like myself and other foreign agencies have stepped in to help people have ownership. Um, many countries have built subdivisions and given the homes to the people. So, yes, it's now like our system, except they have no money. So when you, so say, a, when you say a subdivision, what, give us a picture of what that looks <laughs> like. Well, not like here. Um, I would say it's, it's more primitive. Um, in the villages where, or the, up in the, in the mountains or hills where homes are built, they're still using wood stoves um, to heat their homes. They, they have, it's built usually of stone or block. Um, their homes are smaller, of course. Um, How much smaller? So much smaller, like a one-bedroom size home here or apartment. Mm. Everything is much smaller, and that's typical of Europe in a lot of places. So in California especially, well, all over the U.S., we have these huge homes. Um, they, would, they would maybe have an 800-square-foot home and consider that more than adequate. Um, so indoor plumbing is present. Um, my organization did a lot of repairing so that they would have toilets because all of that was bombed, but they had that capability. So there's the dream of home ownership. It's just almost an impossible dream unless you have help because mm -hmm. they're not paid the wages they deserve and, uh, because of their corrupt government and so forth. So, um, it, it has changed dramatically, and that's good news, but it's been from a lot of foreign aid that's made that happen. Mm -hmm. And speaking of foreign aid, I, I'm going to give a little plug to uh, Help is on its way called How, H-O-W, that you run. And um, uh, good way to start off the new year by making a little donation to How. How, how would somebody do that, make a donation um, to you? Yeah, simply the any donations are 100% tax deductible. I use 100% of any donation comes in to help people. There are no, uh, my family and, and uh, us, we cover all the costs of running the organization. So I'm proud to say that help is on the way. 100% of your gift goes to helping people. Um, so a check can be made out to help is on the way. Uh, six Breeze Way. Madera, California, 93637, and you would immediately re receive a tax receipt. And you know, I, on this show, we don't normally do that, but man, you, you got to me, Jane. My, my heart is saying, <laughs> wow, uh, just a few years ago, there was a genocide in that country. I mean, their world was turned upside down, and that's great that there's help is on the way. So... Thank you. Thank you, Donna. Yeah. I, I appreciate those comments. Sure. Yeah. Thank you. And I want to thank you very much. We need to go to our next commercial break. But thank you, Jane Wiebe, for uh, contributing to our trip around the world. Thank you. Thank you, and Happy New Year to all. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm proud of the house we built. 
It's stronger than sticks, stones, and steel. It's not a big place sitting up high on some hill. A lot of things will come and go, but love never will. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And what an interesting show today. Um, just being curious. Last week, listening to, or, or, you know, listening to all the Christmas music and thinking about Santa Claus. And, of course, being I have a real estate mind, I'm thinking, all right, wonder what kind of houses Santa Claus saw on his trip around the world. And so we've, in this show today, we've spoken with someone from Russia, someone from Brazil, someone from Bosnia, and... I'm going to give you the American perspective now. And first of all, you know, I think 2020 and 2021 has given us a new type of appreciation for our homes. For so long, the word appreciation in housing meant your value going up. Well, I think in the last two years, it's been more about the value of what a home means to us has gone way up more so than the dollar sign although that's gone up too but it, maybe it goes hand in hand and in listening to today's show um, I think the value of homes and home ownership has gone up for me a lot in in especially hearing about how things are what things are like in Bosnia um, or how we're ahead of the game compared to Russia and Brazil uh, Russia and Brazil f financing just kind of for homes kind of just got uh, taking hold 20 years ago where ours started about 90 years ago 90 years ago um, our government created the uh, FHA loan a 30-year loan so prior to that you needed 50% down uh, they would give you a five-year loan you paid the interest only and then every year uh, when the crop came in you would pay pay your your balance down make a big principal reduction so it was harder to attain home ownership back then so appreciation has um, gone hand in hand with the ability to have more, uh, um, a stable mortgage I mean think about it now uh, 30 year fixed rate mortgages in the twos and the threes it's just fantastic um, when I bought my first home uh, we had the twos and threes but there was a one in front of it so it was 12 or 13 percent although it was a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage so uh, once again it was sustainable and attainable um, interesting to hear even the different types of homes um, I think more and more here in the Central Valley, we take air conditioning for granted. Um, but that's not in all parts of the world. Um, and we, we, here's another thing that I think we can take for granted is we have a very moderate climate. Um, you know, we, we've got, I know that's hard to say in July when it gets to 105, but you know, it is a dry heat. It's, um, it, but we don't have those really lows um, d down minus 30 degrees, um, although it, it is cold this past week. So 
we have a lot to be appreciative of. And um, I just wanted to bring that up. Um, that we we have a typical home here. We've got a lot of size. Uh, we, we've got, you know, a lot of four bedroom, five bedroom homes, a lot of three car garages. Um, heating and cooling is, is in it, e even if it's an evaporative cooler. Um, almost every home's going to have that. Almost every home has the ability to be financed. Now, I say almost every home because some of them are not in good enough shape to finance. But usually there's an investor that'll go and pay cash and buy that, fix it up, and, and make it uh, available for more. Um, we have a lot to be fortunate for. So how does 2022 look? Um, most people are saying it's going to be the same as what we saw in 2021, uh, only maybe not as dramatic of a rise in prices or uh, the high demand. I know at the beginning of 2021, it was typical to have 10, 15 offers on one property. Towards the end of 2021, it was a little more typical to only have five to seven offers on one property. Of course, the, the similarity there is there could only be one buyer. So um, it was still more than enough. The demand was there. I, I wanna take a perspective here. Let's say things don't go that way. Let's say uh, the economy doesn't go so well. We, we have a lot of things happen we still can appreciate the home we have. If you've bought it, uh, you own it, you can go there, your family can go there, you can share with your family, and you have a sustainable 30-year fixed rate mortgage. Think about that. If you got a new mortgage in 2021, you're good till 2051. You know what your housing cost is gonna be. And Somebody might say, yeah, but if I, what if I lose my job? What if the value goes down? I, I paid 400000 for my home, and now it's only worth 300000 Well, that could happen. But if you're there and you bought that home for the right reason, you bought it for your family to live in, work through that. Work through that. Find, go find another job. Work hard to find a job. Um, because you have a home to appreciate, a home for your family to go to. Um, don't lose that mortgage. Don't walk away. Some people did that uh, back in 2008. They walked away because the home was worth 300, even though they paid 400,000 for it, and probably owed 400,000 on it. Ah, but look at you know, look at 10 years later, it was worth a whole lot more. So if you can stick it out, uh, make it work, keep your family in their home, that's the stability that they need. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners today. Um, I think it was a, a show to remember, a show to go back to. You can go to um, FresnoRealtors.com, and it's podcast on there. So you can listen to this show for months and months and months. With that, I want to say Happy New Year to everybody. I hope 2022 finds good health, good wealth, and good fortune for everybody. And I want to thank our 
board operator, I call him the production manager, Bobby Thistle, who uh, helps out. I know the big thing that he learned today, he said it earlier, wow, I need to look at a map more often. <laughs> what, you didn't know where Russia was? <laughs> All right, thank you to everybody. We'll be back again next week. Take care.